0: Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Mission Daily. Today's interview is with Tracy Edkins, Chief Human Resource Officer at Splunk. Tracy joins us to discuss what data points Splunk looks for in their hiring process, tips for how managers can better lead their teams, and how Tracy is creating trophy experiences for Splunk's employees. Enjoy! Mission Daily is created by our team at mission.org.
1: Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, We had some excellent discussions off air, and I'm excited to get the conversation started. So let's start with uh, who you are, what your role is here at Splunk, and then we'll get into a million data points.
0: So my name is Tracy Edkins. I'm the head of people here at Splunk. I've been here for almost four years. And uh, my million data points, which is a term we use quite a bit inside of Splunk to talk about who we are, and to bring our diversity inclusion into the workplace. I was raised in northern Manitoba, I think way, way, way tippy-top of Canada. I've been a lifelong lover of how to make workplaces better for employees. And I think I was inspired by the fact that both my parents did not always love their jobs and had some interesting experiences watching them battle that. And as a result of that, studied actually employment as my degree. Uh, when I went to the University of Manitoba. Moved to California about 10 years ago. I have two awesome, strong daughters. I have a dog named Grizzy, who we talked about. Labradoodle, A Labradoodle, right? yes. Yeah. I love uh, being with friends and I love a good glass of wine.
1: Preference on wine, Malbec, uh, whites. Cabernet Sauvignon. Cabernet <laughs> okay, very good. I'm curious about noticing that your parents didn't like their jobs. When did that start? And how did that inspire you to start learning about human resources and talent, things like yeah. that?
0: Well, first off, my mom was a nurse and she was a, a wonderful nurse, but nurses don't always have great workplace environments. And when I was looking to figure out what I wanted to do as a career, she begged me not to go into nursing. And I had been inspired by how she'd made a difference and she just did not feel great about the health and safety of her field. And that had me worried about how can someone actually be injured in a workplace that didn't feel right or fair to me. And my dad was a very different story. My dad, he didn't enjoy management and he didn't enjoy union. And he just kind of felt right in the middle. And he always seemed to be, he was a little bit irreverent and a little bit just generally dissatisfied and never really found his groove.
1: That's, uh, you know, challenging to hear. I can remember similar struggles with my own parents and it definitely encouraged me to start looking and learning more about the outside world and starting to figure out how can I fix these these problems I see. What was that process like for you and what was your... Journey like from Canada, you know, here to Silicon Valley.
0: That's a great question. I my first degree was in um, labour and employment studies, and I did a thesis on workplace health. That was actually picked up by a very large union within Canada. And you would have assumed through that degree that I would have ended up in that part of the industry. One of my first jobs, though, was in retail, and I saw that I had the opportunity to help people develop within their careers, within the management track, make sure people were being paid well. I had a voice into the benefits and it allowed me to see that there was a way to make a big difference inside corporate Canada at that time. And then my career just kind of blossomed from there. Um, I was already doing fairly senior HR leadership when I relocated to the U.S.
1: So when it comes to a million data points, you described it, um, but I would love for you to kind of like unpack that more and set the stage for what the culture is like and what the uh, HR environment's like here at Splunk.
0: So a million data points and how it came about is really a testament to who we are as an organization. One of the terms that we use within Splunk is doocracy, and it really refers to this idea that we are a roll-up-our-sleeves environment. If you see a problem, you don't stand around the water cooler and worry about and kvetch about who's going to fix it. You roll up your sleeves and you help. Diversity and inclusion has been a big platform uh, for us, and it's something I'm extremely passionate about. And when I joined about four years ago, we talked about how do we really brand our commitment to diversity inclusion. And it was actually a couple of individuals within the marketing team as well as uh, our own uh, employee comms individual who came up with the idea of a million data points, a way to say, how can we all bring all that we are, all of our different selves into the workplace and not feel like we have to have a life separate from where we are at work? And it was kicked off with a very, very colorful video or vignette where we had a host of uh, Splunkers be able to talk about their million data points. And it ranged from believing in aliens, which uh, I do too, so that was awesome, to talking about people who are opera singers, to people who um, had been raised in a deaf family and and their parents didn't know that they actually could hear until they were four or five, uh, to people talking about um, the experience they had coming out with their parents. So it it ranged the full gamut.
1: And Tracy, that video you mentioned, we'll link up in the show notes for anyone that's interested in checking out. The Million Data Points is very exciting. How does that translate into... Day to day interactions, or maybe one on ones. It's
0: a great question. I mean, when we think about diversity inclusion, we have evolved so much from thinking only about gender. Gender is important, and it's a journey that we still continue to be on. But we've moved that to how are we doing in increasing our underrepresented minorities. But there's a whole vast landscape out there that really speaks to these million data points and our need to be more inclusive in general. And that can include educational background. That can include Your cultural experiences, where you're from, it can include your personality type. There's so much out there that we need to be able to address. And we, Million Data Points uh, platform is wonderful at allowing our employees to bring that conversation into the workplace. And we see it all the time. People kick off their meetings with their Million Data Points. We're leveraging it in onboarding now. So people really can feel right from the moment they come in, you can be your authentic self. Uh, we were having a, an exec leadership meeting and one of the members of our ERG were kicking it off and she shared with us that Splunk is the first place that she's ever felt completely comfortable with her sexuality, that she had no other place that she could be so open about it. And that really moved me when she said that.
1: That's powerful, right? Because that's something that is a part of who we are and not being able to you know, talk about it or anything is kind of stifling. So yes. that's uh, very exciting. When it comes to data and HR, I'd be curious to know what are your thoughts on the landscape and are CHROs adopting data-driven practices fast enough? Where's the industry at?
0: Data is something I'm very passionate about. So I'm very happy that I found my way to Splunk, which is a data company. I think that many HR professionals are a little bit intimidated by what's happening in the data space. And I really, my wish for all of us is don't be. There's so much to embrace and there's so much opportunity within within the, the data realm. We talk a lot within my organization about being data driven, and there's some cool things that we're doing on that front. Um, most recently, most companies do some kind of a engagement survey, and uh, and we do that as well. But most recently, we've been working on a way to use the data from our engagement survey on manager effectiveness so that we can build data-driven development for our managers. Our goal is to be able to help all of our managers know, here's the three areas that if you focused on, you would actually do a better job with your teams, and then have the employee – this is the employee data – tell us whether we're moving the needle or not, and then building very curated learning paths for our managers.
1: And it definitely sounds like there's an element of uh, peer review there where you get feedback from those below you, those above you, and then you know also your peers. How would you describe that process or uh, what is that feedback cycle like?
0: Peer and employee data uh, feedback is really important to us. Last year, we set a goal of having 100% of our employees have a 360 degree feedback We use 360-degree feedback in all of our promotion conversations. Um, We use it as part of our calibration. So really making data-driven decisions and really using data to assess and reward our talent is important to us, and we've used it in that way.
1: So let's talk a little bit about your interview process because Splunk has a fascinating culture It's been welcoming for us, and it's definitely the type of company that you can see yourself having fun at uh, and getting to work on really technical problems with great people. What's the interview process like, and... Uh, How is it different maybe than what people are used to?
0: One of the things that I think is unique about Splunk is we knew right from the get-go that we had a culture and and we have our core values that we needed to protect. We've been growing like crazy. When I started four years ago, we were just over 1,000 employees and we're hitting 5,000 people. And so we knew that we wanted to ensure with that kind of rapid recruiting that we were maintaining our culture and really honoring our values and protecting those values through that process. We also wanted to take a data-driven approach to the talent acquisition process. We scanned the market for a tool that would meet our needs. And unfortunately, at that time, there wasn't anything. And so one of our individuals internally actually built a tool that we're using right now that's serving us very well. It's called 2020. And what I love about the tool is. A, it's very user friendly. But the first thing that happens when I go into complete feedback on someone that I've just interviewed is I need to assess them as a culture fit against our values. That means that the entire interview is, the entire interview feedback is going to now be entered by me through that lens. And to me, that honors our culture. It's one of the ways that we're protecting it. The other thing that's great about this tool is that as soon as I've entered my feedback, the hiring manager can immediately see it. If you had an interview come in this morning, four of us interviewed them. If we were diligent and put our feedback in uh, by 4 p.m., on the way home, the hiring manager could open up and look at the dashboard, and they can see what everybody put in. What's really cool about this is it takes the bias out. Too often when you're have when you giving feedback in a group forum, I could be influenced by you, you could be influenced by me. Hierarchy can play a role. In this situation, we all put our feedback in independently and the hiring manager can see that with no bias.
1: That's very interesting. So what uh, are some examples of you know, your go-to questions to determine if someone is a culture fit here at Splunk?
0: One of the things that our CEO has said about our culture that really resonates with me is that we're a blue-collar culture. We are not about hierarchy. We're a roll-up-our-sleeves, which also refers to the duocracy that I mentioned earlier. Questions that people often ask are questions trying to get a sense of what kind of team player is this individual? How, How do they show up each and every day? Are they open and transparent in their communications? Are they willing to take risks and be disruptive? And how innovative are they? We talk a lot about a growth mindset uh, within the organization. And so really we ask questions to get a sense of how open are these individuals and taking those risks, failing fast. The other thing that is always asked in any interview that I do is the commitment to diversity and inclusion and examples to demonstrate their commitment to that. And last and equally important is how do you bring fun to work? Splunk is known as being a fun culture. We're a little irreverent. We like to take a break to... uh, to joke around and to tease. And that's really important that people are able to show up that way through the interview process.
1: And I would be interested to hear your thoughts and your philosophies on retention because, you know, we're in Silicon Valley and the average tenure of folks is not that long. Uh, However, a trend I've noticed in talking to many Splunk execs, uh, they've typically been here for a couple of years, some for, I think, 10 years was the longest. Uh, so, what's that like, and how do you think about retention?
0: I am very proud of our overall retention. We have total attrition of less than twelve and a half percent right now, which is quite good uh, within the industry. And uh, of that, probably four to four to four and a half percent is involuntary. So the remaining is voluntary. So we have very good retention of our of our talent, and I think that big reason for that is. First of all, high growth creates opportunity, and we invest in that. We celebrate our promotions. We average between twelve and thirteen percent of our employee base is being promoted every quarter, and we want that. We, when we look to hire, we're constantly looking at when we have an opportunity. How can we promote someone from within? So, really developing our people is, I think, one of the things that that's helped with our retention. The other thing is the environment that you get to work within. We did an engagement survey recently and over 86% of the employees uh, felt strongly that they had good, a good leader or a good manager. And we all know that's what makes or breaks your day. If you feel that you're supported and trusted by your manager, then you can do your best work and you can take some risks. And that's the place you want to be.
1: Are there any tips for managers or executives who want to foster more you know, loyalty and safety and uh, an authentic environment and rapport with their team?
0: Definitely. I think one of the things that we talk a lot about within Splunk is this idea that as a manager, you have a responsibility to be developing your employees. It's not just that you have a team of people you now get to delegate to. It's that you have to be thinking about what is their career trajectory, what do they need and what do they want. We do say that employee development is employee owned but manager supported. And we take that manager supported piece seriously. I think that one of the things we talk about is the need for empathy. When you're working in the kind of pace that we're working in, it can be hard, it can be challenging and mistakes can happen. And ensuring that managers are empathetic in how, that the, how they're giving feedback to their employees and recognizing the environment they're working within is something that I think differentiates good managers and great managers.
1: So for any aspiring manager or great manager or executive out there who wants to you know, implement this stuff and bring more of their authentic self to work, any tips or ideas on authenticity?
0: Definitely. I think that especially for people who are leading earlier in career, we put pressure on ourselves to act like we have all the answers and that does not serve us well. And I think being authentic, being vulnerable, being clear with your employees, what you know and what you don't know, finding out what their strengths are and letting them shine and learning from them. I've learned more from the people that I've managed in my career than I've learned from anyone else. And you have to be open to that, I think, uh, to be an authentic leader.
1: So I heard you have a goal here to create trophy experiences for team members. So what is a trophy experience and what's that like?
0: When I think about what is a trophy experience, I think about at Splunk when we are experiencing such tremendous growth, what is something that we can offer our employees in this time of high growth that they may not get anywhere else? And I really coined the term trophy experience. Trophy experience means to me that when you look back on your career, you were able to do something here thats that you're super proud of. You were able to try a new role. You had a manager who leaned in and helped you maybe get into a new uh, career ladder or swim, path, swim lane. But also, as a trophy experience, maybe it was you as the manager helped to invest in someone's career and set them on a different trajectory. And so, we put a lot of investment into our leadership programs as well as our general learning programs to help create that trophy experience for our employees. One of the things I'm really excited about is we're lo- using data now through the launch of Culture AMP, which we're using to measure our employee engagement. We're using data to help us to create specific learning paths for our managers to help them uh, improve. And so we're calling it data-driven development. And essentially what will happen is each person who manages more than three people will end up with an overall sort of dashboard on their management capabilities as perceived by their employees. And that's really important because who's going to measure your manager effectiveness more than your employees? Sure. And then what we can do is we can help each one of us, myself included, We'll know from that what are the three areas that if I could invest in would really improve the experience for my employees. And then we will create that learning path for them, a curated learning path. We've been using uh, LinkedIn Learning with a lot of success inside of the organization.
1: I would be curious to know, are there any examples or stories about trophy experiences and how you've uh, helped create them here? They could be you, they could be any anyone.
0: Well, I think trophy experiences can happen anywhere, anytime. And I certainly was a benefactor of that. One of my first managers created a trophy experience for me because he really trusted me to step outside of my narrow swim lane and to try new things. And it really, I think, catapulted my career. Uh, when I think about trophy experiences here, I get the opportunity to see and hear them all the time. We had a session recently where we brought a number of employees together to talk about how had they... Um, Managed their career uh, within Splunk and who had helped them to take on the new op- opportunities. And we had so many stories uh, from people from moving to IE, IT to SE, from people who moved from uh, facilities to program management. And they told their story about who helped them and what programs they leveraged within Splunk to be able to make that move. And in almost all cases, there was an awesome manager standing behind them and making connections, encouraging them and helping to point out what their towering strengths were.
1: Are there any favorite uh, professional development resources for managers that you have? They could be a book, they could be a a piece of e-learning content that you've developed, anything like that?
0: I just think I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn Learning. We have seen so much uptake from our employees on LinkedIn Learning. And what we've seen is leaders are now taking the content and creating, as I said, these curated learning paths for their team, um, which is, it's just taken off. It's amazing. There isn't There's not a topic you could think of, whether it's training for a marathon to making a switch from, as I said, IG to SC, you're going to find it there. It's amazing.
1: So I feel like, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this question, but I feel like there are so many different interests that people have at Splunk outside of the workplace, right? Because I've made small talk as I meet people, as I interact with folks and people's interests here are pretty varied. Any favorite or uh, crazy examples come to mind of what Splunkers like to do outside of Splunk?
0: We have a whole group that get together and they race cars. uh, And there's a car analogy in a lot of the things that we do here. So that's uh, something that I've observed since I've been here. I think that Splunkers like to get involved in their community. Habitat for Humanity is very popular and it's very common to say I'm not coming to that meeting because I'm I'm giving back to my community today. I'd also say that splunkers like to share their passions with each other. I get invited to wine tastings because you might have heard I like wine. Uh there's food things happening. People decide that they want to do a yoga class and they'll bring it in-house. And next thing you know, there's 40 people trying to get into the room.
1: So let's talk about the HR industry as a whole again. I'd be curious to know, let's just touch on data, machine learning and AI, and then maybe professional development. Um, When it comes to data, is the HR industry moving fast enough or adopting data-driven approaches fast enough?
0: One of the things that we're experimenting with right now is how do you use ML to assess talent externally and leverage your top talent internally so that you know what it looks like externally. How do you make that match is something that we're experimenting within our talent uh, attraction group right now. Other areas, for example, we use data to help us to assess how quickly when we hire from certain talent pools, they get rated well within the organization. So we were able to show that 2020 tool that I spoke about earlier. We were able to demonstrate year-over-year Pre use, post use, that we saw a 15% increase in people being rated as top talent (laughs) post the introduction of the tool. So there's so much that you can leverage. When you think about the future of work, people are going to be working differently. The generation, the early and career generation now really wants the opportunity to pick the work they want to do. They don't want to pick the job. And they're not going to be patient and wait to work their way up that ladder as people exit. They want to cherry pick the skills and the experiences that they want. We need to figure out how to access that as an HR community. We need to figure out how to enable that and how do you help people. It's chestnut checkers is the is the terminology that I use.
1: So when it comes to leadership, are there any memorable stories from your career where you saw an example of what leadership really should look like?
0: I think that every single day we have an opportunity to learn from great leadership and we also have an opportunity to learn from poor leadership. Luckily for me, I've learned for both. The poor leadership was not in my experience at Splunk, of course, but I have learned a lot from managers who were well-intentioned Um, but missed the mark for a number of reasons. And we talked a little bit about some of those reasons before, thinking they needed to be the expert, thinking they needed to control everything.
1: When individuals are thinking about, you know, what is my strength? What is my superpower? It can often be hard to get perspective to see or notice that. Is there any, you know, way that or tip you recommend for individuals who want to figure out what are my strengths?
0: Asking the people you work with, what they observe, what they appreciate and being willing and, and brave enough to ask them, for the constructive feedback too. Well service in spades. I have the opportunity to do a lot of um, uh, roundtables with early in career or interns. And one of one piece of advice I find myself often giving is, first of all, I'm so excited for them and the career that they're about to take off on. And they have no idea. They're, they're sitting there like we all did thinking, I just got to get that first job. And they're so nervous. And I always tell them, first of all, it's going to be fun. And the people you meet are what it's all about. And be a good colleague, be a good employee, be a good manager when that opportunity comes forward, because it's those people that will open the doors for you down the road. It's those people that will give you these lessons, these people who will help you understand what your hidden strengths are. But they're also the people who you might work for. They might work for you. They're going to open doors. And don't be competitive with those people. Just know you're going to meet the best friends of your life through this crazy ride. And it's so exciting. So
1: That is exciting. Uh, I would love to talk just briefly about your background and your upbringing. So you grew up on an Indian reservation, right? So in Manitoba, you're on this reservation. Uh, what was that like? And what was life like?
0: It was a great, great place to grow up. There was an entire forest right out my back door. But I did learn at an early age, I was I was a towhead as a, as a child and, and there might've been one other kid who was not Native American in my class. So I did learn early what it was to be different and what it what it felt like to be different from everyone else. And I learned a lot about nature. Uh, one of the things that I remember the most about that time was spending a lot of time outdoors, both in my school experience and in my personal experience. And that was very, very fun.
1: And after you moved to the States, what was the experience like of first encountering Silicon Valley and you know finding your footing and your bearings here?
0: It's funny because people ask me, is there a cultural difference between Canadians and Americans And 99.9% of the answer is no, but there is sort of a 0.01. And uh, definitely what I did discover in Silicon Valley is much, much higher pace. Uh, People put a little bit more pressure on themselves. They certainly don't take as much vacation. Uh, So that was something that I I noticed when I first moved to California.
1: Was that intimidating? Was that inspiring? Uh, And then I'd be curious to know too, what was your first role like when you came here?
0: I don't recall being intimidating. Uh, I did, I'm did. i a curious person, so I certainly observed it. Um, and it was more about jump into the fast lane and let's get going. My first opportunity, when I first relocated to the U.S., I was on maternity leave with my second child. And this is a message I give to women in work. When we step out for an extended period of time, like a maternity leave, a lot of times women kind of think, oh, I've, t- I've taken myself out of the game and I'll just be lucky to kind of come back in just kind of just under where I was. And I've heard so many women say that, whether they stepped out to take care of an elderly parent or to take care of a child. And it's just absolutely not true. You know, our, our skills do not get stale that fast. And uh, But I went through the exact same thing and I thought, well, you know, I was a very senior leader. I was running HR for Starbucks Canada and then I had two small children at home, and my husband was working. And I thought maybe I'll just get you know some sort of a mid-level role and you know contribute to the household. It's okay if I have to make less. You know, this was literally my talk track. And uh, thankfully for me, going back to it's really about the colleagues you meet. A previous boss of mine at Starbucks uh, was started to refer. She was getting headhunted for jobs in California, and she started to refer me into these jobs. Well, again, they say this is fairly typically female. I was like, well, those roles are too senior for me, but I'll go and meet someone and maybe they'll have a different job. These are all life lessons that we all have to to be aware of. Of course, that didn't pan out. She referred me to a, a senior role. They liked me. I was scared to take the job, took the job and uh, did well. And the rest is history.
1: What was the first 90 days there like? And at what point did you maybe lose the anxiety and just start having fun?
0: I feel like I think it was day three. You know, day That's three, awesome. the people that I was working with were amazing. They're still my friends today. My colleagues were amazing. My boss was amazing. And it you can shake it off pretty fast.
1: Do you have any advice for younger people who are thinking about HR as a career? Uh, there's, you know, a lot of talk now, is college worth it? There's the emergence of new boot camps and accelerated pathways into technology. Uh, any advice for aspiring HR, HR professionals?
0: That's a great question. Uh, first of all, yes, do it. I've loved every minute of it. It's very varied. And when we think, as we talked about the future of work, I think where it's going is very exciting as well. I think it's a very strategic role that is the one thing we have in all of this um, crazy evolution of work is job security on the HR front. (laughs) With regards to is college even worth it? That's a very interesting question. I think we will get to a place where it's not as relevant as it is today because we will get to a place where our biases are being addressed and we're more open to just the raw material that the person brings in. But we're not there yet. And so I definitely believe that regardless of what you want to do, That education is your ticket to entry today, and you do not want to miss that.
1: And what about for HR execs that are experienced? They've been in the industry a long time. uh, Any advice for HR execs who want to adopt a lot of the strategies and practices that we talked about in this episode?
0: I think the big piece of advice is our, our jobs are busy. Everyone has very busy jobs, is to make the time to lift your head to have uh, cohort groups and peer groups to make the time to go and talk to other people who do your job in other organizations. And it doesn't have to be the same industry and see what they're doing, how they're solving problems. Um, That's something that I didn't do for a portion of my career and I'm doing it very actively now and I realize it makes a huge difference.
1: Very cool. Tracy, thanks so much for joining us and to everyone listening, we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chad.